Good afternoon, Acadiana. Welcome to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 965 KPEL. Glad to be with you guys as usual. I plan the show and then it happens that something breaks during the middle of the day and it throws everything off. Uh, at the end of the show, Dr. Keith Corville with APEL, the Associated Professional Educators of Louisiana, will be calling in talking about the teacher pay raise issue. Uh, he sent out a letter to APEL members earlier today. Want to get his thoughts on it. But right now, the big breaking news of the day, uh, technically not breaking, it's been a few hours now, but Justice Stephen Breyer on the Supreme Court is expected to retire. Now, a couple caveats here. The first being he didn't announce this himself. Uh, and according to Fox News uh, Supreme Court reporter Shannon Bream, multiple sources saying that Breyer was not planning to announce his retirement today, and they describe him as upset with how this has played out. Uh, and Bream goes on to say, we'll await any official notice from his office and or the SCOTUS Public Information Office. This is This is key here. So... There's a couple of different things playing out right now. There has been a coordinated campaign among progressive activists to get Breyer to go ahead and step down while the Democrats are in power. They don't want to repeat of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who uh, held on for too long and passed away during the Trump years, and that got Trump another appointment to the Supreme Court uh, that time for Justice Amy Coney Barrett. Gives the court a 6-3 majority, occasionally 5-4 majority, but a, a clear conservative majority nonetheless. Progressive activists had a public campaign to encourage Breyer to step down. He's 83 years old. He's the most senior progressive justice on the court. And they wanted to get a younger progressive justice, more progressive justice on the court. Breyer actually had decisions that were fairly pro-business. And when his nomination originally came up, uh, the, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce actually had no objection because of a lot of because he was an expert in business law. And a lot of his business rulings typically leaned toward the business. So. Uh, Breyer was a, a very he was he was a very keen knowledge on business law. It's very interesting if you go and read some business cases before the Supreme Court. He, he's actually very nuanced in that, but otherwise very progressive, socially progressive, and his uh, his opinions on the Supreme Court on social issues, his dissents, concurring opinions, things like that, all read very progressive, but not progressive enough for a lot of progressive activists out there. The thing about it is Biden was asked today about the retirement and his and Biden's official response was there was no, he did Breyer didn't make a statement we're going to reserve judgment on it etc. Jen Psaki came out and said that yes the president did promise to uh, nominate a black woman to the Supreme Court if a vacancy came open but also reiterated that Breyer himself had not come out and officially said anything. There's speculation right now that the White House leaked the retirement plans. Breyer didn't announce it today, wasn't planning on announcing it today from, from all indications. But the, but the White House wanted it out there now for a couple of reasons. One, they want everybody to see that there is something coming up. 
Two, they need an issue to campaign on. Because if the Republicans try to block this, they have a campaign issue, just like the Republicans had a campaign issue uh, in 2016 and in 2018 with the Supreme Court. The treatment of Brett Kavanaugh in particular actually helped save a lot of Republican seats in the 2018 midterm. But more importantly, Breyer signaling his retirement to some experts is seen as a signal that the abortion case before the Supreme Court, the Dobbs case, is in fact a 5-4 or even 6-3 conservative, uh, conservative ruling, which is bad news for the pro-abortion crowd. If that's the case, Breyer's backing out, wants to get a, a more uh, progressive judge on the bench behind him, and really would also like to be out before the Senate changes hands. This is, a, this is a big thing here. The White House wants Breyer out sooner rather than later. And by announcing this early, it kind of puts the onus on Breyer. Now, it could backfire. Breyer could be so upset that he decides to hold on through, say, Christmas. And that just completely uh, ruins the effect for the Democrats. But Breyer is going to be... Uh, he's, he's going to go down as one of the more influential, uh, behind Ginsburg in, in recent history, one of the more influential progressives on the court. And it's going, that seat's going to become a lightning point. Now, one of the things that a lot of people are pushing, well, you know, Biden promised a black woman, there's always media speculation, left and right, that, well, he's going to move Kamala Harris to the Supreme Court. I'm going to tell you right now, that's not going to happen. Joe Biden's not going to get rid of Kamala Harris. The optics of getting rid of the first female, uh, black female vice president, is, it's not great for Biden. Second, there is some constitutional debate over whether or not she could get nominated. In theory, if the Republicans split 50-50 on that particular vote, she could, in theory, vote you know, be the tie-breaking vote, except in the Federalist Papers... There is the, the reason that the uh, the reason the Constitution says that the vice president cannot vote on the matter of the impeachment of the president is because it's a conflict of interest. And, and that conflict of interest is kind of, you know, described in the Federalist Papers. So it's implied that there is a conflict of interest in this particular vote as well. What's more, the Republicans have no incentive. Once, once Kamala Harris would be moved over to the Supreme Court, there's no tie-breaking vote. The Republicans have no motivation to give Joe Biden a scapegoat and a vice president. No reason to give Biden a helping hand. And Biden's pool for potential vice presidents includes the U.S. Senate, which would potentially make it a 49-50s in it, throwing Mitch McConnell back into the majority even before the 2022 midterms. Right now, when you look at the polling, Arizona and Georgia are in play for Mark Kelly and Raphael Warnock. Both of those Democratic senators are in trouble, and you could very well see those seats flip, which gives the Senate 52-48 to the Republicans and puts Mitch McConnell back in charge. So Breyer retiring before the midterms gives the Senate, while the Democrats are still in power, a chance to replace him with a 
progressive judge, a younger progressive black female judge. Won't be Kamala Harris. And the other thing here is that you have to do something that will appease Manchin or Cinema. Right now, the speculation is that you're probably going to see somebody like Katanji Brown. She is a judge on the D.C. Circuit, which is where it's already approved by this Senate. Um, in a 50-50 vote with Kamala Harris breaking the tie, uh, Brown w- Judge Brown was put on the D.C. Circuit, which is where you send judges that you want to save for the Supreme Court, typically. The D.C. Circuit is where a lot of justices come from. Presidents put them there in the hopes that they can bring them up to the Supreme Court at some point. Katanji Brown can be seen as fairly moderate, not, not enough of a voting record to really see, but has been known to cross sides and inside with conservatives on the court there. So that's the, that's the lay of the land for the Supreme Court. Have more on that coming up as well as the, uh, the FDA's uh, revocation of the emergency use authorizations for the monoclonal antibody treatments. Want to talk about that, that and more when we come back from this break here on the Joe Cunningham Show on News Talk 965 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 965 KPEL. You can take part in the conversation 232-1542. Also join the conversation online, twitter.com at Joe P. Cunningham, facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. And if you miss any part of the show, you can check out the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, etc. And given the number of things that I want to talk about in the day and don't really get to, I'm considering doing some extra podcast work in the future uh, just some exclusive stuff for podcast listeners. If there's any, if, if there's any topic I don't get to that I might record later and put out as, on the podcast as like an after hour segment or something like that. So considering that, uh, but be sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can catch all of the show uh, in its entirety, just in case you miss something for whatever reason. Y'all, I did it. I told y'all last week I was going to do it. Uh, over the weekend, I did. Uh, I did make some venison sausage. It was about 50-50 venison to pork because I, I wanted to experiment with it. But I, I ended up doing it. Um, it was that, some Slappy Mama white pepper mix, uh, some Trinity in there, some some various spices. Uh, one of the recipes I, I looked at called for a lot of warm spices. Uh, so tossed some of those in there, mixed it, you know, ground all that up, mixed it all together, uh, Filled it in hog casing, smoked it for a few hours uh, until it, it hit the right internal temperature. Uh, some of it is frozen. Some of it will be used in chicken and sausage gumbo this weekend. And I will let you guys know how that goes because I'm very excited for it. I'm going to talk about cooking a pretty good bit on the show. And a large portion of that is I, I love cooking. And I know that this being the part of the state that it is, food is very important to a lot of us and cooking is very important to a lot of us. Politics, paying attention to politics as much as I have to, can be an emotional and mental strain. There's so much you have to get invested in it. Once you, once you read a story, you're invested in the story. Once you decide to talk about it, there's all sorts of sides to take in. There's you know platforms to defend, things like that. It can be a very taxing process. You know, I have a full-time job working in education. I write at redstate.com. I'm a senior editor there. I write a daily column once a day. Uh, I, I read a lot of news, take in a lot of news, follow a lot of stuff on social media, which social media is a hellhole, but I basically in order to promote my stuff, I have to be on it constantly. 
all of this adds up and it can take a toll. And cooking is my way of, of unwinding. It's the hobby that I have on the side. When the weekend comes, after this show on Friday, I go home. I don't really pay attention to social media. I don't really pay attention to anything political or anything newsworthy unless there's some breaking thing. Sometimes I'll check in on the communication channels for Red State, but most of the time I'm unplugged, I'm with family, and I'm doing a lot of cooking. Saturday I'm going to do a long cook, a long, slow process of, of, of making gumbo because um, I, like, I like all my stuff to cook all day. I did red beans and rice last weekend. Uh, you know, I, uh, There's some division on red beans and rice. Do you do it in a crock pot? Do you do it over the stove? I like to do mine over the stove. I like to, the, the more active role in cooking the red beans and rice. Crock-pot red beans and rice is great. I like my enameled cast iron Dutch oven for it. Um, I love cast iron. I love my regular cast iron Dutch oven. I love my cast iron skillet. I love, love my enameled cast iron uh, Dutch oven. Any From gumbo to, to red beans and rice, I, I use that for those cooks. But I do it not just for the eating portion of it, but the, the whole process of cooking, of preparing the food and everything is therapeutic and it helps me unwind after this week. The Justice Breyer news breaking today and catching little clips of the news when I can between classes at school, uh, you know, getting text messages or notifications about it throughout the day, kind of looking, you know, real quick at social media to see what folks I, I know and like and trust are saying. You know, that that does take a toll to follow that, to follow the uh, monoclonal antibody story, which I wanted to talk about yesterday, but we ran out of time. A lot of y'all wanted to call in and talk about the teacher pay issue, which I'm fine with. I love it when y'all call in. I want y'all to call in more, 232-1542. But at the end of the day, it's just you have to unwind. And, and at the end of the week, you've got to unwind. You can't spend all your time on this. And a lot of people are choosing more and more to let, especially the national politics, but let politics define who they are as a person. And I very much disagree with that. I think that's a very unhealthy way to live. Yes, we need to care about it. Yes, a lot of this is important. Yes, being concerned with government policy and how it affects things like the economy, like inflation, like our personal lives, that is important. But it's not a battle that you can mentally or emotionally sustain 24-7. You have to step away and look at the immediate needs of your family. Look at the immediate needs of your own mental health. The term mental health gets abused a lot by, by my generation of millennials and younger. You know, there's jokes about a mental health day. There's, there's, you know, just need to unwind and focus on you, that sort of thing. That's, that's not what I'm saying. That, that tends to be overused. But there's a true, genuine mental health crisis in the country. The pandemic hurt. The social isolation hurt. The increased political polarization hurts. We're not doing ourselves any favors when we focus so hard on these issues. And we often really do just need to step back, find a hobby, find something we can do that helps us out, that helps us, that helps distract us 
from this heavy stuff that's going on in our day-to-day lives. I turn to cooking. We have venison. My daughter, I, I wasn't able to, you know, I, the one time I went hunting with my, my nine-year-old daughter this year, we, we, we saw something we weren't able to shoot. It was just out of our, our vision, our range. She went with my father-in-law, shot and killed an eight-point. I now, the top layer of my deep freeze is now all venison. My daughter has an interest now in going duck hunting. My father-in-law, thank God, has an interest in taking her duck hunting. Thinks he has a, a, a 20 gauge still around the house that he can, he can take her hunting with. And at some point they'll go duck hunting. Which is great for me because then I get duck. And I love to cook duck. I don't get to do it near enough. I haven't done it in a while. But I want to do it. The, the, the sausage recipe I used, it was inspired by a, a recipe in a, a cookbook just called Charcuterie. Uh, and it's the, the art of the smoking, uh, sausage making, uh, confit, terrines, all that for the, the type of stuff that you would see on a traditional charcuterie board. And the, the sausage section I've, it has some great recipes. I want to look at the confit next, section next. Uh, when you think confit, you think duck most often. That's the classical preparation of duck is the confit duck. I want to do that, but I also want to try other things. Duck gumbo, you know, do a duck sausage. I want to do these things and I want to do this. And and over the last couple of months, my nine-year-old and my four-year-old have wanted to be involved in the cooking. It's a great family activity, something we can do and something that's completely separate from the rest of the busyness of our lives, busyness of, of, of our lives. I don't have to worry about Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or the Democrats or the Republicans or anything like that when we're reading a pound cake recipe and making that. I don't have to worry about that when we are, uh, when, I'm, when I'm lighting up the smoker to, to hang sausages or put in a brisket or put in ribs or anything like that. I can be away from all that. And more often than not, we can, come, we, we can look at our own lives and we can see there's some time we need to take away from a lot of this heavy stuff. 232-1542, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the monoclonal antibody treatments, the FDA's decision there, and why it's basically the Democrats surrendering on the state of Florida. We'll talk about that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show on News Talk 965 KPL. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Joe Cunningham Show. Welcome back, I mean, from the from that break. Uh, News Talk 965 KPL. Uh, you can find us online, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, you can check out kitchenpundit.substack.com, and you can see all of my columns there. Sign up there. You can get my columns and, and all my content emailed to you directly. Uh, you can also see uh, anything I write over at redstate.com, where I am a senior editor, and a lot of great writing over there from a lot of great conservative writers and minds. So be sure to check out redstate.com as well. So the... Um, the, the, the whole monoclonal antibody issue, I, I'm, I'm this, this is kind of a weird one, because there is data out there showing that these treatments are not effective against the Omicron virus, or the Omicron variant of the virus. At the same time, there's no data showing that they do any harm. It's just they're, le- they're seen as less effective. It was strange then to see Biden's FDA 
announced yesterday that they were pulling the emergency use authorizations from or, or for two of these treatments, the, the Eli Lilly and the Regeneron monoclonal antibody treatments. Their defense, or the, the, the media came to the FDA's defense, their defense was uh, the Washington Post compared the pushback from conservatives to the ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine arguments, which is an absolutely nonsensical comparison given that the FDA itself issued the emergency use authorization for monoclonal antibody treatments and not the other two. The treatments were working as expected. They were less effective against Omicron, but Omicron is less likely to put you in the hospital. Do you know what is likely to put you in the hospital? The still out there Delta virus, the Delta variant. There are still people all over the country who are testing positive with the Delta variant, and the monoclonal antibody treatments are effective against those two. But because they decide to revoke this, because they decide to revoke the monoclonal antibody treatments, the, the, the emergency use authorization, it forces a state like Florida, which had a ton of clinics out there that you could uh, go and get this treatment at, it forced them to shutter. 2,000 residents in Florida had scheduled appointments yesterday alone to get a monoclonal treatment, and those appointments were canceled. Governor Ron DeSantis was understandably furious. He pushed for these clinics to open. He has pushed for this treatment that has saved a lot of lives in Florida and has helped a lot of people get over the virus in Florida. The problem is that the monoclonal treatments are a fail-safe in case somebody wasn't vaccinated and they get the virus. Now, Florida is pointing out that if you are that a lot of the people getting the monoclonal treatments in Florida are actually vaccinated, but people who are not vaccinated can also get those treatments and it helps them recover faster. And the Biden administration is so sold on the idea that masks and vaccines are the way to go that they don't mind revoking an, an emergency use authorization for a treatment that's proven to work, whether you're vaccinated or not. This is all about getting people to buy in, and it's a political move to get people to buy in to the vaccines more. And they accuse folks like DeSantis of, being, of, of pushing pseudoscience, which is nonsense because, again, the science showed it worked against variants of COVID-19. It's just not as effective against the Omicron variant. But that's fine because that one is not hospitalizing people at the same rate as the other variants, especially Delta. If the Biden administration is so willing to keep thousands of Floridians from getting a certain health care treatment for political reasons, then it's obvious that they're not worried about their electoral chances there. They're writing off Florida at this point. Because you, if you think that Florida is in play for your party, you're not going to cut off these health care options, no matter what you feel about it or, the, or the, you know, the use of the vaccine or whatever. You're not going to stop 2,000 residents and the people that are close to them from, support, from potentially supporting you. The Democrats are saying Florida's off the table. 
Nikki Freed and, and Charlie Crist can shut down their gubernatorial bids right now against Ron DeSantis. It's over for them. Val Demings can shut down her Senate race against Marco Rubio. The Democrats don't have a shot in Florida. If the president of the United States, the Democratic administration, is cutting off health care treatment options to patients who need it to fight coronavirus, then they don't care about whether or not they're going to win Florida. They don't think they can. Right now, all their focus is going to be on pushing the Biden agenda. They are so insanely bad at politics. I cannot get over, I cannot stop saying this. I cannot get over how bad at politics they are. I don't know how they can be this bad at it. But you're writing off a state that we have been reliably told is a purple state. Ron DeSantis barely won that gubernatorial race. It almost went to Andrew Gillum. But the Democrats are writing it off. They don't care. It's clear they don't care about the votes in Florida if they're cutting off this particular health care treatment, which is a popular health care treatment and which works and certainly doesn't cause any harm. There are some reports of some side effects, but there were also some reports of side effects from the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which the Biden administration pr uh, prematurely shut down for a while. And that's when trust in the vaccine stopped. That's when it started going downhill.